Chapter Fifty of the Peril Finders by George Fenn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sarah Hanna. Working the Oracle. The evening drew near at last, with everything made ready that was possible. The water and provisions near at hand, saddles and bridles examined, and according to his custom, Chris was about to go out into the valley and see to his pony examining the wounds and giving him something a little extra in the way of food when griggs came down and joined him don't start he said but go on just as usual something wrong said chris doing exactly what he had been told not to do call it something wrong if you like said griggs laughing but it's only what i expected i've been up at the lookout with your father and we made out two indians crawling to the top of the cliff over there just like a couple of big red slugs on a wet night then they're watching us panted chris just as they always have been my lad and looking out to try and turn us into pincushions for their arrows if we'd only go out far enough which we wouldn't do on any consideration but this will quite upset our plans for tonight," said chris oh no we shall go on for this looks promising my lad they've always been watching us more or less then they've seen us hunting for a hiding place for the ponies and mules yes of course and climbing about among the rocks at the narrows to be sure they have then what's the good of our going on everything is the good they've seen everything we've done but they couldn't think with our brains could they my lad but what could they think of our hunting about as we did well, seeing that I made a point of shooting a bird or two each time we were planning out our places and all we meant to do, I should say that they thought we were providing for the pot. Now then, come and have a turn at your pony and spend a good deal of time looking at his hurts. You'd better ask me some questions about them and lift up his hooves and point at them. Yes, I see, said Chris. Perhaps I shall act a bit too far our friend's benefit, so don't be surprised. Then we shall end up by driving all the beasts in for the night, close up under the shelter of our fire. Shall we be saluted with any arrows, do you think? No, said Griggs, I don't think so. We've rather sickened them of that. They know there are rifles and good shots, up at the top yonder, and I dare say some of them have been hit. Now, come along. The pair strolled out towards where the animals were grazing, and went through the bit of performance arranged. Chris marveling the while at the perfect coolness displayed by his companion, who was on the brink of a most daring adventure, the very thought of which sent the blood dancing through the boy's veins and made the palms of his hands turn wet. The shades of night were approaching as, after a long examination of Chris's pony, the animals were headed towards the camp and driven slowly in towards where they were regularly watered every night. And so well had all the preparations been timed that it was too dark for any scouts on the opposite side to see that after the watering every beast was hobbled and held in readiness for the start that was to be made and now the business preparatory to the start was set about eagerly the mules were laden with the much reduced loads skeeter had his but his bell was muffled so that it would be perfectly silent and the water barrels were hung in position across the back of their regular bearer there was plenty of time, and the doctor's principal efforts were directed towards arresting hurry, for he had to allow for the Indian scouts to make their way back to the camp from which they came. If they have gone back, he said in a low voice, as the adventurous party sat together talking in a low tone, each with his weapons ready. 
Yes, said Wilton, if they have gone back. Suppose they have chosen this of all nights for an attack. They'll find out that we are quite ready for them, that's all, said Griggs coolly. But it is possible, said Bourne sadly. So's everything else, sir, replied the American. But don't you think it's a pity to begin fancying what might happen? Perhaps so, said Bourne. I beg pardon. I'm afraid I do anticipate a good deal. Well, boys, he added, turning toward the pair sat together whispering, how do you feel about tonight's work? Horrid, father, whispered Ned, as if he felt that Indians might be listening. And you, Chris, continued Bourne, I feel as if I shall be glad when it's tomorrow and we know the worst. Or the best, my boy, said the doctor cheerily. There, I think we might start now. The moon has set, and we have a long, dark night before us for our work. What do you say, Griggs? Ready? And willing, sir. I go first, don't I? Yes, with Chris as advance guard. You know the signal the Indians are coming on to an attack. One shot each, and then you stand fast to give us time to start the train back before coming to your support. Yes, sir. It's all cut deep into me, but I don't think we shall have any trouble there. I hope not, said the doctor. Within half an hour from these words being spoken, the little baggage train was in motion, dimly seen beneath the band of stars overhead. These stood out strongly marked against the edge of the black cliffs on either side, towering up and seeming to the excited imagination of the two lads double their real height, and overhanging more and more as the valley sides gradually closed in towards the mouth of the gulch. Chris suffered from a peculiar sense of excitement and dread of attack, as he and Griggs rode cautiously on through the darkness, each with his rifle cocked and resting upon his knee, straining his eyes the while for the first sign of danger. And it was during this ride that the boy began to wonder whether the eyesight of the Indians was much better than their own, for he soon found that once more he was obliged to leave out any attempt at guidance and trust entirely to his pony. Think the enemy can see better than we do, he ventured to say, during a temporary halt to make out if possible what had caused a sudden rush of sound through the brushes in front. They're made differently to what we are if they can, whispered the American dryly. I'm leaving everything to my nag, and you'd better do the same. That's what I've been doing, said Chris. You don't think that was an Indian, then? No, only some little animal that we started. It sounded loud because everything's so still, and we expect that everything means danger keep close behind me now. Chris had no occasion to trouble himself, for his, for his mustang kept its nose very near to its companion's tail, and they went on and on through the darkness, till Greg suddenly drew rein. Here we are, he whispered. It's narrow enough, and it oughtn't to take many minutes to stop this gap so that no horse could get through, while in an hour it might be made so that it would take a week to make it passable. Come along, and mind we don't miss the gully. He led on again slowly, pausing at intervals to listen and make sure, for it seemed to be darker than ever, in spite of their growing accustomed to the gloom. Once more Griggs stopped short, and Chris's heart began to beat more heavily than ever during the few minutes' silence that ensued. "'I'm done,' whispered Griggs at last. "'What do you mean? What's the matter?' asked Chris. "'The gully ought to be somewhere about here, but for the life of me I can't make out where it is. And we must wait till morning.' Chris laughed softly. I don't see anything to grin at, grumbled Griggs. I don't believe any Indian could find his way along here. I was laughing because I could find the place. How? asked Griggs sharply. By coming first. My pony knows his way here. Come in front, said Griggs shortly, 
and Chris moved forward, gave the pony his head once more, and the clever little animal paced steadily on for about a hundred yards, and then turned off to its left and began to ascend. Ha! Who wouldn't be a pony? said Griggs as Chris drew rein. Then all we have to do now is to wait till they come up. It did not seem long before the doctor joined them, and then the whole train filed up the side gully. Steadily ascending the way, ran towards the tableland, where the grassy patch in a hollow had been selected off the track. And here the halt was made, the beasts beginning to graze at once after they had been hobbled, both ponies and mules, and seeming quite at home as soon as they were left to themselves. It's a risk indeed, said the doctor. If the Indian should happen to ride in this direction, where should we be? Shooting at them would be the best thing, said Wilton. It's a thousand to one against their finding the beast here, said Griggs, even if they did happen to come. But we've got to chance it, sir. Everything's gone right so far, and let's hope we shall keep on the same track. I hope so, replied the doctor. Then now we have nothing to do but get back to the narrow gateway. The sooner the better, sir, for the night's wearing away fast. But ought we, after all, to leave one of us in charge of the beast here? No, sir, said Griggs sharply. You'll want all your strength, after I've passed, to tumble down the rocks. The more the better. It mustn't be half done. No, said the doctor gravely. The entrance must be well blocked. All ready? Yes, came in a whisper. Back then, at once. Griggs will lead, and all keep in touch, and observe perfect silence. The distance seemed to have doubled before they got to the descent, and this sloped to be three times as long as they tramped slowly down into the gulch, where the doctor called a halt once more. But all was still, and blacker than ever, as Griggs with Chris at his side turned off to the right, to lead the party slowly onward towards the narrows, where all stood at last, hot and weary. Everything seems to have stretched out, said Griggs in a whisper. I thought we were never going to get here. Then to the doctor. We'd better wait till day begins to break before you climb up the sides, eh? No, said the doctor. That might mean failure. Everyone must be in his place before the darkness fails us. Yes, I suppose you're right, sir. But make sure as soon as there's light enough that everyone is well hidden. Birds will not enter a trap if they see anything strange. "'Nor Indians neither,' said the doctor quietly. "'We shall see to that. "'And you'll let them get well out of hearing "'before you begin to stop the gap?' "'Of course,' said the doctor. "'That's all right, then,' said Griggs. "'So now, as you are going to divide into two parties, "'each to take a side, I'll say good-bye and stop below.' "'One word more, then,' said the doctor, "'grasping the American's hands. "'Let's repeat our plans so that there may be no misunderstanding.' "'That's right, sir. I'll say my lesson.' As soon as it's daybreak, I shall move down the gully, right on in the direction where I believe the Indians are encamped. And as soon as I think I'm near enough, I'm going to begin shooting, wherever I see a chance, and picking up my birds, till the Indians hear me and come out to see what's the matter. Then we suppose they'll mount, the whole herd of them, and come after me. Mounted men against one on foot, said the doctor with a sigh. I don't suppose they'll catch me, said Griggs coolly. Well, naturally enough, when I see the enemy after me, I begin to run. But suppose they don't all come, Griggs, said Chris. Shan't suppose anything of the kind. And don't you talk so loudly, growled the American. They've all got to be there, according to my notions, and come crowding after me. I run as I never ran before, straight for the narrow way here, dash through, making for the old camp. 
and they tear away to cut me off before I can get under cover of our marksmen. But all at once I dodge in among the stones and begin to climb up to the terraces, get up to the top stepway in the square pit, and loosen out the stones there, after blocking the place below. One of these two bits of work is bound to keep those who have dismounted to climb after me from climbing any farther, and when I begin to fire at them pretty sharply, they'll turn back at once, get to their horses, and join their mates, to have a palaver and come to the conclusion that it isn't safe to stop in the valley, because they'll be expecting every moment for fire to be opened by us. Then they'll ride back without another shot being fired at them, for the simple reason that I'm hurrying round to join your people here by the top way and the gully. I shan't lose any time, and if I'm lucky, I may get here soon enough to join you in giving the enemy a few bullets when they come riding back to find their way stopped. As it ought to be, said the doctor dubiously. As it has got to be, said Greg sharply. Got to be. Got to be and must be, he cried. If all goes well, said Bourne. If all goes well, sir, said Griggs, and if we all do our parts like men, it will. Goodbye. End of chapter 50 Recording by Sarah Hanna, Fort Lauderdale, Florida